Coming up today in Eagle Eyes on Tech, Sam Bankman Freed has been found guilty. We'll go over details of what that means. YouTube is winning the war against ad blockers. Capcom showed that they hate all modders of any way, shape, and form. And Apple reveals their brand new Macs and how they are even more out of your reach. All that and more. Come on today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Carolina. This Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. You know what I really hate this week, this past week? I was incredibly busy, IRL. And Apple decided to do a late night Apple announcement on like Tuesday. No, wait, was it Tuesday? Yeah, it was Tuesday. It was on Halloween. And I ended up having to watch it after the fact, which is hilarious because it was really short for an Apple event. All right. I understand why they went ahead and put it on Halloween. It's because the prices they threw on their products are absolutely terrifying. As well as the specs. It's not the fact they were spooky fast. No, 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 no. Chat says that it's because they were spooky fast. That's what they wanted to say. They are not. They are impressive at what they do, but they do not address the problems they have. Apple Silicon, I've rambled about Apple Silicon for a long time now. And for the most part, there are still big issues with, with the stuff, but we're going to go ahead and cover that in a bit. First things first, we want to get to the FTX founder, Sam Bankman fraud has been found guilty of fraud. I know it is a totally original joke that totally everyone has not stolen already. Totally. How many people have used that joke, by the way, like half of tech media, half of media in general, at least. Could have said Sam Bankman phony. Ah, that's not as funny though. In any case, he has been found a fraud. There is nowhere for him to go. I don't know if there was any kind of plea deal that was reached. I kind of doubt it because uh, everyone around Sam Bankman Freed kind of uh, took plea deals to get more evidence on Sam Bankman Freed. But, um,. He has, in fact, been found guilty, not pleaded guilty, found guilty. Chat did bring up a point. He did plead innocent. So, yeah, no deal could have been made, could it? So what does this mean now? Well, if you're just going to go ahead and just go by headlines, you are going to assume that right now, Sam Bankman Freed is sitting in a prison cell and he's going to be there for the rest of his life, seeing as though he was sentenced to 110 years. 
that is not what the headline means. Because, for example, this one from Engadget that I'm using as my notes, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried found guilty of fraud faces up to 110 years in prison. That's the big thing. Up to. He has not been sentenced yet. This is key. Okay? Because there are a lot of charges. And I do mean a lot. And there are minimum sentences that can go out per charge and there are maximums per charge the maximum is if all of those sentences of fraud and etc 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 were taken to the max it is now up to i would assume the judge it can vary from state to state but i'm pretty sure in sam bankman fried's case it is now going to go to the judge of what he's sentenced to Oh, well, Eagle, that means after that, then he's going to go to jail for for who know, for a whole lot of years. Not necessarily. Because Sam Bankman-Fried can still do what is called an appeal. He can still appeal the court decision and go to trial again over this and appeal the court decision. He can appeal this all the way up to the Supreme Court. Theoretically. He can keep appealing it until he gets to the highest he can go. And then until the court just decides not to take the case. Here's the thing. Okay. Literally everyone around Sam Bankman-Fried flipped. Pretty much everyone, including his girlfriend slash fiance slash mistress, whatever the heck the association was between SBF and the gal I already forgot her name that ran the other. You, You know who I mean, all right? When you're as close to an SO as this guy has flips on you, you've got nothing. There is a mountain of evidence against this guy for everything that he's done and Basically nothing for support. His appeals have almost nowhere to go unless he pulls out a legal miracle out of a magic hat. Someone in chat said his parents looked like they were involved. I don't know if they were involved with or against. I would assume with. But, I mean. 
when everyone else in the company turned against you, um, you're kind of hosed. Even if Sam Bankman frieds parents are on his side. Excellent. It's three people plus a lawyer against the world. And every single employee that was part of your little fraud ring with FTX has turned against you. There's almost no hope for an appeal. I don't want to give spoilers to uh, to F to the trial of Sam Bankman Freed season two, but um, I see extremely little hope that any appeal is going to go anywhere. He is going to be serving a long time in jail. If you told me I had to go and pick what kind of number he's going to spend in jail. It's, it's hard to say. I don't know the exact details of the case in front of me. I don't know how many charges, what's the min and max for each. I, uh, would say more than likely the guy is going to spend upwards of 60 years. And when you start getting into that territory of uh, the guy's going to be old and senile by the time he gets out of jail, because the guy's like 30 something now, right? So let's say he got 60 years. They might as well tack on a few more anyway, because you're basically serving a life sentence at that point. 31. So if it was 60 years, he'd be going out at 91. You know, that is like the roughest of roughest of roughest guesses how long he's going to actually spend in prison. I would actually need... To see what it is. Oh, actually, I, I missed the subheadline. Wow, they're waiting a long time to address this. Sam Bankman Freed was convicted of all seven charges and will be sentenced in March. This is just seven charges of fraud. That's it. I'd have to go back and actually take a look because that has to be like a number of those have to be in like freaking class actions right because there's no way it's only seven instances of fraud concerning the amount of people that FTX was dealing with.
There is, of course, as someone else mentions, the campaign financing issues as well. And that... That is not minor. That is not minor in the least. And then, of course, this is just all... This is just everything related to the state. As someone else mentioned in chat, civil suits and civil trials will, of course, be next. And, um... If you thought that somehow, somehow, some way, this guy was going to weasel out of it, good news. He's not. The entire book looks like it. Well, I mean, like, how much of the book is being used on Sam Bankman Freed right now? is being used with the same effectiveness of being launched out of a cannon directly at him. He's not skating. Not in the least. Meanwhile, there's another, there's another case that's hitting the, um, the Supreme Court, and this one's going to be very fascinating to hear how it's decided. And it's about whether, you probably remember this one, whether civil officials can block credits on social media. I forgot all about this case. This case is so old. Oh my God. Wasn't this case like brought up like six years ago or something like that? My God, it's been forever. Back, back then was such a simpler time. We didn't know the horrors about something called the virus TM. Twitter was still Twitter and not a letter of the alphabet. A whole lot of other stuff happened that made me feel saner. But this one is finally hitting the Supreme Court. And this is going to be one that you'll definitely want to pay attention to when it's over. Before then, I wouldn't pay attention to it. Because before then, there's going to be a whole lot of really stupid things said to really old people to go ahead and plea a case very, very poorly. And it's all going to be irrelevant. Because that's usually how these kind of cases go. I'll just tell you this right now. From a sane person's point of view. Ignore this case until it's resolved and the decision has been written. Because this is going to be one that's going to be very interesting on how things are managed in social media. But in any case, now that I just mentioned, you know, Supreme Courts and everything, you probably all tuned out. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. 
Let's instead talk about two of our favorite things. The EU ganging up on tech companies and Facebook getting what, what's coming to them. Facebook is actually about to be sucker punched in uh, where it hurts the most as they are facing a ban on targeted advertising in the entire European Union. Now, technically, this ban is actually to Meta, the parent company of Facebook. But let's be honest. If I mention Meta, half of you would go literally who? Because just about all of you refuse to acknowledge that Meta is uh, anything different from Facebook. To which I'd say, yeah, you're right. Now, someone in chat asks, why is this only on Facebook? Well, you see, it's because there were papers published recently that showed that Facebook was specifically targeting minors in advertising on Instagram. Thus prompting this sort of investigation. And also because if there's one thing the EU is really good at, it is focusing on something about as well as tying a laser pointer to the head of a parrot. Someone in chat says that sounds like TikTok. Yep. Yes, it does. Good luck having the EU do anything against China. It's like near impossible. Or if they do do anything against TikTok, nobody seems to care and nobody reports on it. So then I don't know about it. It's just kind of weird like that. I think it's mostly because tech media just loves any time that Google, Facebook, or Apple are beaten up on. So the moment they see anything go, <gasps> Facebook faces a $5 fine. <gasps> Quick, get our top reporter on it. Yeah, it's kind of petty. Speaking of petty, HBO Max is tweaking the way they operate. They are making it so that ad-free legacy subscribers will be losing access to 4K streaming next month. If you want 4K streaming, you have to pay up four more dollars a month. Quick. Raise your hand if you're surprised by this. Now, actually, I should raise my hand in all this, all right? First off, I actually, I don't have, a, I don't have HBO Max. That's not in my, uh, 
my cornucopia of subscription services so I can fake having TV because I don't want a cable bill. And because my rabbit ears don't work in my apartment. I still can't believe that, by the way. That I don't know what the heck is with my apartment here. But my actual rabbit ears can't get any channel other than a little bit of staticky CBS, and that's it. I want TV, it's cable, or go with something else. Here's what blows me away about this HBO Max thing, all right? First off, I'm surprised there is a with ads option for HBO Max. And I'm also surprised that the with ads option is $10 a month. That's... Ah, thank God. I can get... I can go ahead and watch ads for $10 a month. You know, back in my day, I used to be able to watch ads on Twitch and then get money for it. Those were the days. Except I couldn't actually cash in that money. I had to go and... I had to go give that money to other other people. It was weird. Here's what I am actually surprised with, all right? The whole thing of, all right, you want 4K, you need to go ahead and go up to the $20 tier. And then the $16 tier is just going to be ad-free at 1080p. I am actually surprised... The surprise to me is the fact with the way that all these other streaming services are going that this ad free tier didn't just bump up to $20. That's my actual surprise. Because like every other streaming service right now is doing everything in their power to take advantage of the fact that there is a mild case of inflation. In some cases, there's an extreme case of inflation. And they're just slowly bumping up their prices all around and kind of doing what um, is referred to as a boiling frog effect. What I mean by this is that the analogy goes, if you take a frog and you throw it in boiling water, it is going to hop out immediately. But if you throw the frog in warm water and slowly bring the water to a boil, the frog will not leave. We have been seeing this over the past few years of streaming services very slowly creep up their prices by like a dollar or two. And in fact, Netflix has pretty much been the master of this 
by very slowly increasing their prices. I swear Netflix increases their prices 50 cents every three months. I know they don't actually do that, but the amount of times I hear about a Netflix price increase, it almost seems that bad. Okay, who am I kidding? Every time I hear about Netflix, they're doing one of three things. Either A, losing a show you wanted to watch, B, increasing their prices slightly, or C, cracking down on password sharing. Those are the only three Netflix headlines we can talk about anymore. Those are the only ones left in the hat when we're going to draw something about what Netflix can do. So when all said and done, you know, I mean, realistically, unless you have really good internet, and I do mean really good internet, you're not watching anything in 4K. Heck, if you're on limited internet, you're not watching things in 1080p either. Most people are watching in 1080. Those who actually are watching in 4K, you know, they've got pretty bloody good internet. And then on top of that, they're one of the, they're one, they're, they've also, you know, obviously got a TV to watch in 4K. So, of the things that HBO, what do they call themselves now? HBO Max can do? How many times has HBO changed the name of their streaming service now they think about it? Anyway, this probably was the better way they could have gone because it's going to piss off the fewest number of people. But the people it does piss off are going to be really, really pissed. Because it is now $4 a month extra you plan on, on top of their pretty decent internet, and then on top of everything else. And let me tell you, if you've actually got a 4K TV, you want to make sure you push every single pixel. But my 4K TV can play at 1080p, it's just fine. Oh, no, 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 no. If there's one thing I've learned about high-res screens, the mo if you go ahead and put two equally sized TVs side by side, a 4K TV displaying at 1080p and a 1080p display TV displaying at 1080p, the native 1080p's TV is going to look better than the 4K one. Hands down. Native resolution is king. You always want to push that. Even if on paper, it should be fine. So, I do feel for the people that this is going to affect. 
just wait until next year when your ultimate ad free tier ends up going up to uh twenty one ninety nine. But with that, we're gonna take a break here when we come back. Well, someone in chat says that their 480p monitor hates YouTube. How about we go ahead and talk about YouTube and how they're cracking down on ad blockers seems to actually be working. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. It's no secret that YouTube has been cracking down on ad blockers. The biggest surprise, honestly, to most people, and be honest, you're surprised it took this long. Like, didn't you expect YouTube to actually do like a serious push against ad blockers like, I don't know, 10 years ago? It feels like they're coming out and like starting a fight that they already lost long ago. But the thing is, is that the way they're fighting back seems to actually be working. So what they're doing now is that if YouTube detects an ad blocker, they will go ahead and prevent you from watching the video and say you need either need to whitelist YouTube or buy YouTube premium. And, well, obviously, this went ahead and started what we call in the business a game of cat and mouse. As then every single ad block company that pretty much operates goes ahead and tries to find ways around being detected and still blocking out ads. And then YouTube tries to find ways around that. Well... Here's the thing, right? Those who are tech savvy, they're willing to put up with the the constant updating, the back and forth of trying to dodge YouTube ads. Especially since 99% of them are either advertising Timu, the absolute worst Frickin' shopping site known to man to ever blight the planet and society as we know it. Or is advertising a mobile game that includes Natasha, the underworld doctor, and wonders if you're feeling sick. No, that will not leave my head, and I'm not going to mention the name of the game. I am so freaking sick of that stupid ad, even though I haven't seen it in months. For the record, I have not actually seen YouTube ads in months. I have found a way around it. But according to YouTube, 
they have found, according to tests, that their crackdown has led to hundreds of thousands of AdWord blocker uninstalls. Now, I'm willing to bet that far, far, far more of these, like I would say over half, are probably just whitelisting and they actually can't see the ad blocker at all. Unless they're actually tapping into Chrome and seeing if, in fact, according to the Chrome installation system, that, in fact, hundreds of thousands of ad blockers actually have been uninstalled. Or what they're going to go about it for the average person that this actually might be the case for those of you that are much more tech savvy be honest your ad blocker is still there or or you stepped up your game and you set up a pie hole and just said that's it no ads on anything ever period I'm actually curious if anyone in my audience has actually set that up. Part of me wants to set that up, but part of me also doesn't have free time. So that part of me is going to forever be unsatisfied. I need to find a way to just make more time. In any case. So is that just it? Is YouTube actually winning the war against ad blockers? For now, they clearly have struck a blow. Clearly, fewer and fewer people are using ad blockers, according to these reports. At some point, though, especially with the case of streaming services, someone is going to build a far better ad blocker and it will just not be detected. It might already be out there. Cause this isn't just about YouTube, right? If you are a consumer of media, you're, you're, you're not just watching YouTube. You're using other streaming services. You're using Netflix. You're using Hulu. You're using Disney, by the way, oh God, I forgot to add that in the queue. By the by, news came out this week. Disney is now a 100% owner of Hulu. I am not sure what this is going to mean, but it I, I have no faith that it's going to mean anything good. Let me be honest. Th those of you who just heard, Disney now owns all of Hulu. How many of you are happy for that? My guess is zero. Zero percent of you, I'm willing to bet, say, oh, thank God. I trust Disney to control a massive streaming service like Hulu. No, you don't. You're either indifferent because you don't know anything or you're actually worried. I, of course, am in the latter, but we'll have to see what that means. YouTube uh, cracking down on ad, ad 
YouTube cracking down on ad, ad blockers, though. If you are a media consumer, all right, and you're going through all these different services, the easiest way to go ahead and make sure that you're actually you, you're actually spending less than it would be for a normal cable bill as it is, is to go ahead and get the ad version of it because that is the current status of streaming services. For a decent price, you're paying for ads, usually somewhere between seven and $10. Increase that price by 50%, you now have no ads. And then in some cases, there's a tier above that, like with HBO Max, that gets you even more somehow. In this case, HBO Max now set the line that that includes now 4K streams. So if you're going ahead and you're trying to be as cost conscious as possible, you're going to go ahead, have all of yours be the ad version, and then, like the gigabrain you are, you're going to go ahead and tweak out some kind of ad blocker to make sure it just blocks all the ads on all of them. And then laugh as you cut down your streaming bill by at roughly a third. This whole thing with ad blockers is nowhere close to over. It is going to go on for a long time. And don't think for an instant that just because signs right now point to YouTube winning against ad blocker, that it means that the war against ad blockers is over and Google has won. <laughs> no, not even close. This is a war that is never going to end. Because as long as there's media companies out there that are willing to offer a cheap version of their content with ads, there will be someone who is willing to save a few bucks and find a way to pay for the ad version and then block said ads. That's how that's going to go down. But while Google is looking at the world forward with ad blockers and how to block them, Google is looking at risk five and just how ready Android is going to be for any device that uses risk five. So RISC-V, for those of you who don't remember, is a processor architecture that is open source. And it's one that, much akin to ARM long ago, is meant for very low power devices. But, much like ARM, it does have the potential to scale up down the road. But right now it's not. So Android is going ahead and making sure that in the future, they will be compatible for RISC-V devices and look at the benefits that may include.
Now, honestly, right now, this really, let's be perfectly honest. If you can find any device right now that uses a RISC-V processor, congratulations. You found the exception. Like, seriously, there are not that many devices that use RISC-V. That's still very much the case. So, congrats. And honestly, right now, I would, eh, you know, I don't know. What I actively avoid, I would say it depends on what the device is. I'm interested to see where this goes. Just to see how compatible, like, say, a RISC-V smartphone would be compared to an ARM-powered smartphone and what it means moving forward. One thing I would avoid though, are any, and I do mean any and all, Android phones from China. As a recent study has shown, that in fact, yes, they are packed with a metric ton of spyware. So no, it's not just Huawei phones. It's just about every single major phone that originates from a Chinese manufacturer. Xiaomi, Red Magic, just about all of them. Now then, with armed with this new information, how many of you are surprised? Anyone? Is anyone surprised? And keep in mind, we are talking phones that are manufactured in China by a company from China. We are not talking about devices like the iPhone, for instance, where the iPhone is made in China and also India, apparently. But the software and everything is designed in the United States. Yeah, no, no one in no one is surprised in chat or otherwise. No. But you know, just in case you see someone who is just like, oh man, I don't want Apple to be able to spy on me. And they go ahead and use a Xiaomi phone. Just know that in fact, that person did not think this through. And in fact, yes, their phone is filled with a hilarious amount of spyware. Yeah. But while you're now paranoid about the mobile market, you can rest assured be 
grateful for a big change coming to Google. A change that I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of surprised is not the case already. Google will soon have all explicit images in their search results defaulted to blurred. How is this not the default now? <laughs> That's what I want to know. The year is 2023. Google is finally making it so that any porn that comes up in a Google image search is blurred by default and you have to click it to unblur it. Does this not seem like a title or like a feature that would launch, I don't know, a decade ago? I just can't even. I just can't even. This feature has existed for Google for a while. It just wasn't the default. Finally, they're making it the default. I'm just flabbergasted that this wasn't the default an eternity ago. It's just good job, Google. I am completely and utterly flabbergasted. You've done it. Almost as uh, flabbergasted as I'm sorry, I had a story that shouldn't have been there. Almost as flabbergasted as I am at the announcement by Microsoft that, in fact, they're coming up with a brand new... Wait, no, this is also re a really old story. What the heck? Any other stories that accidentally ended up in my thing that are from nine months ago? We're having some technical difficulties right here on the podcast. We're going to take a break real quick as I go through the rest of my prep and, and make sure that uh, no other stray problems accidentally ended up in my prep. We will be right back.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. We found the problem. It's been taken care of. I'm gonna make notes on it later. But uh, no, every, everything so far has been fine. I do want to know how the heck two stories from nine months ago got in my mix, but I digress. One thing that's becoming quite apparent though is that um, AI is not all it's cracked up to be. Microsoft has been accused of damaging the reputation of the Guardian all thanks to an AI generated poll. So apparently something that Microsoft offers is for news publishers to have automatically generated polls in regards to news stories. Now this sounds like a really cool feature. All right, you just write the news story. AI automatically makes a poll that brings up user engagement. Win-win for all around, right? Well, it would seem that way until AI makes a horrible, horrible decision. You see, the story was in regards to the death of a 21-year-old woman. In fact, specifically, a water polo coach. She was, in fact, found dead with serious head injuries at a school in Sydney. Very tragic story. The AI-generated poll asked the viewers, what do you think is the reason behind the woman's death? If it was murder, accident, or suicide. I'll give the AI a program credit. If you ignore human decency and societal norms, it's a pretty good poll question to answer. However, we live in a society. We have this crazy thing called respect for the dead. We, you know, have these crazy things called uh, feelings. And uh, that was about in as poor taste as it possibly could. Someone in chat said that this is some Monokuma stuff. Oh my God, Monokuma, for those who don't know, is a um, a fictional character of a uh, murder mystery uh, visual novel series that uh, goes very, very dark very, very quickly. And uh, yeah, this kind of ranks up there with that. Th this is a very, very uh, dark and tasteless question to uh, put into a very, very tragic story. So Microsoft's in hot water for this. Whoops. Yeah. Good job, Microsoft. 
you managed to go ahead and prove that uh, AI may in fact been a mistake. Sort of chat asked what won the vote? What won the poll? I don't know. I almost guarantee you, nobody knows. The only people that might know was, um, is Microsoft. And I guarantee you, they are not going to tell a soul because they are embarrassed about that. Someone in chat asked, was she a Canadian veteran? Um... I'm going to say no. Only because it mentions that she was found in a school in Sydney, which implies that she was in um, Australia. But I will admit, I do not know. The article, for the most part, is, uh, is just referring to how AI botched this. So I don't believe details like that are actually going to be in it. Um, isn't it in good taste to, uh, to, to mention the name of the victim in this case? I mean, the news article from the, the news article from the Guardian, uh, says so says exactly who it is uh go uh she goes by the name uh oh wait no that's not it that's the name of the representative from the guardian um ba -ba 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 -ba. actually i don't know if they mentioned yeah they did uh lily james so that's all i know in regards to that so with no good segue about that uh let's go to another little oopsie whoopsies from microsoft one of which that is a lot less yikes admittedly and that is the fact that microsoft is now issuing system level bans on the xbox system for unauthorized xbox accessories now for those not in the know this seems incredibly minor but let's go over it for a minute what do we mean by unauthorized xbox accessories so the xbox you used to be able to plug in basically any usb device and be able to use it on the xbox you could even plug in a keyboard and mouse and in some cases it actually being usable this kind of started being cracked down upon because, well, I hate to break it to uh, every single console lover out there, but in the competitive world of first-person shooters, mouse and keyboard wins. Every single... I don't care how good you are with an Xbox controller, you can't compete with a good mouse and keyboard player. You can compete against me is on keyboard and mouse for sure i am nowhere close 
to being competitive in first-person shooters. Not even close. Man, I should have fired up CSGO before it vanished and just seen how badly I'd be slaughtered. That'd actually be hilarious. Unfortunately, CSGO is now gone. So what this means now is that there's been tons of various devices that do emulate a keyboard and mouse and are used as like a backdoor system to try and allow for keyboard and mouse to be used on Xboxes. Well, this crackdown is now going to put an end to that. So everything's good now, right? Um, that's the funny thing, right? So... For example here, I hold in my hand on the video podcast, which you may or may not be able to see, a Xbox controller, right? This this looks like an Xbox controller, right? This actually isn't an Xbox controller. Well, it is, but it's not made by Microsoft. This is actually a third-party controller made by Power A. And I actually love this controller. It's one that I use mostly on PC because I don't own an Xbox. And it's one that I can go ahead, take apart, take off this top part right here, swap out these joysticks, swap out par parts, tweak up ev everything. And it's one that I actually use for speedrunning Final Fantasy 4 randomizers. Love this sucker. But this technically might be considered an unauthorized accessory. I actually don't know. It actually might be fully 100% legit. It might fully 100% work with Xboxes no matter what. But other more cheaper alternatives to Xbox controllers might not be. For example, I have a wired Nintendo Switch controller that is absolutely not made by Nintendo. And if Nintendo ever went ahead and said that only Nintendo controllers are able to be used on the Switch, that $20 controller would then be useless. I'm fairly certain that one is licensed by Nintendo since it has a uh, Legend of Zelda graphic printed on it, but, you know, you never know. This whole move by Microsoft can both be good and bad. Because this could make it so that all of a sudden, controllers for your Xbox don't work. Because after going ahead and spending up your hard saved up three to $500 for an Xbox Series series, you could only afford two of the cheap controllers that aren't actual official Xbox accessories. And since Microsoft didn't crack down on this sort of stuff nearly as hard as, say, 
Sony or Nintendo, they might not have bothered with that sort of thing. Someone in chat says they have an Amazon's basic keyboard plugged into their PS4. It detects as a keyboard, functions as a keyboard, and types as a keyboard. And that this is a bleepy move. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to say it. This, this bites. All right. It's good for those who want to not have to go keyboard and mouse to be competitive in shooters. But, um, overall, I think it's going to hurt the console experience. But I also say this as someone who is extremely very much not in any kind of competitive scene at all. I'm one of those crazy gaming heathens that plays video games for this crazy foreign thing called fun. Okay, except for this morning in uh, FF14's frontline match. I actually did want to win. The other 23 people clearly didn't. Those people suck. But while Microsoft believes that plugging a keyboard and mouse into the Xbox is cheating, Capcom believes that all mods are cheating all of them in a first person in a, in a single player game if you go ahead and mod out a uh, a model with a different one that you'd rather be riding thomas the tank engine instead of a horse you're a cheater you're the lowest of the low my god you dare want to go ahead and install a mod that enhances the texture packet of an old game oh this is heresy of the highest offense Capcom seems to be so upset on this that in fact they are pushing more and more to upping their game in anti-cheat and anti-piracy specifically targeting the use of mods in their various games and a lot of people seem to think they know why this sudden push has been made and someone in chat is on the nose whether they realize it or not. Capcom hasn't confirmed this, mind you. This is just what a lot of people are suspecting, and I suspect they are completely right. But Capcom, but a lot of people believe Capcom is really um, angsty and now very aggressive against modding. All because of a little kerfuffle we talked about a few weeks ago. Remember the fighting game tournament that involved Street Fighter? And uh, they had to cut away from a, uh, from a game real quick because the caster had a certain mod installed for a certain character by the name of Chung Lee. 
And it may or may not have been a, uh, a Chun-Li mod of them wearing significantly less than normal. Yeah, a lot of people are suspecting that that is what is, has uh, stoked the flames of uh, Capcom being extremely and heavily anti-mod all of a sudden. And um, I would not be surprised at all if this was correct. Now, this I will say, I get the want, desire, and in some cases need to be very strict with mods and any kind of game modifications, if you want to somehow classify them differently, with an online or a multiplayer game. But for crying out loud, if it's not hurting anyone, who cares? If I want to go ahead and put Thomas the Tank Engine into, into the new Dragon's Dogma game. Who does that hurt? Besides Capcom's feelings. It hurts no one. Even the new Chun-Li mod. Who did it really hurt besides the people who did not want to see new Chun-Li on a live stream? Realistically, the mod hurts no one. Unless you're really stupid and irresponsible with it, like that caster was. Who I guarantee you is not going to be a caster for very long. Someone in chat said, who really didn't want to see that? I am not going to answer that question. Look, this kind of thing is not helpful to anyone. Going ahead and trying to go very much against modding and the community in general is not helpful in any way, shape, or form. So, realistically, you're not helping anything. And if there's one thing I know about the modding community, trying to stop mods is going to go about as successfully as uh, trying to stop ad blockers. It's not going to work out too well in your favor in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying. But while people are concerned with the behavior of Capcom, other people are concerned with what is going on at Bungie. Let's talk about Destiny 2 for a minute. How many of you listening know what is going on with Destiny 2? How many of you even know what Destiny 2 is? Let's start there. And while you're answering that question, I'm going to tell you anyway, because that's how I roll. Destiny 2 is a first-person shooter that um, is very Borderlands-esque 
and the fact that you keep working to build up your character, get new gear, and you're very much not worried too much about your competitive play. You are more focused on enjoying co-op content against environmental enemies. Uh, you're basically working against big bosses, that sort of thing. Destiny 2 is what we refer to as a live service game, meaning that they make their money primarily through cosmetic skins, among other things. I actually don't know exactly how Destiny 2 makes all their money. I do know they make a large chunk from skins, but I don't know much beyond that. And then every so often, I want to say every four months or so, or something like that, I actually forget they they release patches and then eventually expansions in which new content is added new expansion in destiny as of late um content wise are about as inconsistent as it gets sometimes you get an entire box of cookies and other times you get just the box It is not a good time to be a Destiny fan, like, at all. You're better off trying to put all your eggs in the World of Warcraft basket, and that's a basket that people are trying to abandon ship from. Well, it now gets even worse as Destiny 2 expansions now are being delayed and not so that Dusty 2 can go ahead and do this crazy thing called take a few steps back, replan, and actually go forward with a better roadmap, one in which they can guarantee players can expect this, 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 and this, and actually give them something to look forward to, that would be intelligent. No, instead, it's being delayed because of layoffs. Now, this is not a good sign at all. Because what was supposed to happen is that you were, they were expecting to get another expansion in June of 2024. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I don't know when they were supposed to come before, but now the two expansions that people are expecting are not expected now until June of 2024. And then the other one not going to be coming until 2025 at some point. So now they're looking at over seven or over eight months out, in fact. So... Clearly, Destiny's not doing too well. Sony, as the parent company of Bungie, is trimming some fat and making it so that the company is sustainable while everything is going south, right? Wrong. 
according to new reports, Bungie made the decision to lay off people. Sony apparently had nothing to do with it. This, believe it or not, if you are a fan of Destiny, actually is good news. Because if it was Sony, all right, it means that the, the studio is in danger. Since Bungie is making the decision. It means one of two things. Either A, the studio is in danger. Or B, these layoffs were very specifically targeted as problems for the company. All right. I'm not going to go ahead and I'm not going to be one of those that's just like, oh man, Bungie's doomed. Oh man, Bungie's doomed. There's still a chance. All right. There is a chance that this could be done specifically because there was a there's a large number of people that are just part of the problem that is a possibility that being said definitely don't take this as some reason to go ahead and huff a whole bunch of hopium things still are not looking good for bungie at all Hopefully they can get their act together because they actually are a pretty good studio and it would be a shame to just see yet another studio just kind of go up and smoke and just kind of flare out. Meanwhile, though, Ubisoft is taking on a new... Someone in chat pointed out that um, some of the people that Bungie laid off was the musical geniuses who wrote most of the music for Halo as well as as well as most of Destiny 2. That it seems like they are changing directions. That could very well be. And that honestly would be better for the company. That being said. I don't know. I actually didn't have a point beyond that. Anyway, let's shift gears over to Ubisoft, who has decided to take up a new task in their life. Ubisoft wants to go ahead and focus a large portion of their efforts on one thing that is plaguing all of gaming. What would that be? Oh, it's very simple. Ubisoft is going to go ahead and tackle toxic gaming. Ah, yes. That's what we need. Another company to go ahead and tackle 
the toxic gaming world. Look. I hate to break it to you. It's never going to happen. No matter how hard you try. By the t here, here's the thing, right? You could go ahead and try to remove all elements of uh, anything that could be used in a quote-unquote toxic manner. But let me tell you about the gaming space. The gaming space is extremely creative in the way they can express themselves. For crying out loud, gamers came up with a way to just show disrespect by just crouching. Do you really think you're gonna go ahead and find a way to end all toxic gaming whatsoever? <laughs> oh, no, you're not. This is gonna end up being a futile effort that is honestly just gonna make the entire thing just, I'll just tell you this right now. This is gonna fail. I haven't even read the rest of the article yet. This is gonna fail. I don't care if it's a system that is going to use AI to find toxic players and suspend them and let them cool their heads, whether it's going to be a reporting system, whether it's going to be a restriction in how characters can interact with each other, it will fail 100% of the time, guaranteed. It's inevitable. What's that? It's a reporting system. Players can just report toxic players. Oh man, watch and be amazed as hundreds of more people report the people who, who are trying to be good noodles and report people and end up getting themselves banned. You think it's not possible? You think the number of uh, the number of good beans is going to outnumber the number of bad beans oh you don't know the art of spoofing oh, we'll just find a way around that we'll find a way around that this is a never-ending game of cat and mouse of which trying to go ahead and combat toxic gaming which i admit is a problem I, i've i've had moments where i've gotten unreasonably upset at a game and it's all because of my useless team members, like all 23 other people of, uh, of the twin adders that I was in front lines with this morning that decided that every single time I tried to go ahead and bring someone in to be eliminated, they instead disengaged and just let me sitting there to die. And then we lost because they didn't want to go ahead and engage on anything and decide to continue to ignore 
any sort of major objective whatsoever. I don't know why those 23 other people were so bad, but I wish they would uninstall the game. You can't get rid of toxic gaming no matter how hard you try, no matter how pure of heart you think you are, it's going to surface. <sighs> There's always a way around it. And I, for one, am just going to sit back and cackle as whatever Ubisoft has planned is going to blow up in their face or just make the game basically unplayable. Someone in chat asks, what about single player? Well, then you have no toxic gaming problem. But if you have a toxic gaming problem in a single player game, here's what you do, okay? Take a nap. Eat a Snickers. Get a bowl of ice cream. Go eat breakfast. You clearly haven't eaten anything yet. Go touch grass. Go breathe fresh air. Go do... If you're getting angry at a single player game, it's time to stop. Or stop playing Dark Souls. That's the other thing that could be... Ha Actually, there's a real toxic gaming problem. The problem is Dark Souls. I actually don't believe that. But I just wanted to see if that would rile anyone. Kind of like how Microsoft wanted to see if ending support for Windows CE would actually go ahead and rile anyone up. Windows CE is finally reaching end of support someone in chat says there's no problem no the problem is hollow knight okay i will take some of the responsibility for my problem with hollow knight but i still can't believe i found a spot where i got soft locked and that is hollow knight's problem The other problem with that is everyone's expectations of the game. Anyway. Windows CE. Finally. Has ended support after a very long. You want to know how long Windows CE has been around and supported? How many of you know what Windows CE is? Windows CE is the great, 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 great grandfather of iOS and Android. Windows CE support is finally over after 26 years and windows ce was the operating system for personal digital assistant devices or pdas handheld computers that predate the smartphone 
by over a decade. I'm not going to lie. As much of a complete tech nerd as I am and how much of tech history I do remember and have worked with, I completely forgot that that operating system was called Windows CE. I've actually held devices that ran on Windows CE. Like this stuff is like back in the day, holy cow. Windows CE was just incredible. It was an incredibly robust operating system for what it did. And it did power quite a few devices other than just P PDA or just PDAs. Because it was in fact used for many what's re what we refer to as embedded systems. As someone pointed out in chat, it was used at it was used as the core of ATMs voting kiosks and other such things nowadays they all run on their own proprietary thing because they're all afraid of well windows viruses oh who am i kidding they're still gonna run on it especially the voting kiosks if there's one thing the government has taught me is that they will stick to using ms dos for as long as they can Someone in chat said they're all afraid of Windows updates. I think they're more afraid of getting Windows updates than anything. So this is less of something concerning and more of... I can't believe... Microsoft remembered they even had Windows CE. Someone in chat said they have IBM mainframes at work. Is this the part where I tell you that doesn't mean anything? <laughs> IBM builds mainframes now! It's the year 2023, IBM still builds mainframes. That's, that's not a sign of anything. Are there people who think that that because mainframe just sounds like an old computer that mainframes aren't mainframes are still are still around. They're still built new. I, I don't know what. I'm just going to take a break here because I don't know where this conversation is going. Old isn't problematic, someone in chat says. It can be, though. The thing is, is that anything that ages without support means that eventually an exploit can be found. And, in fact... Problems can develop in the future as far as compatibility goes. But to just, just say we have mainframes at work, it doesn't mean anything. Mainframes are modern. Mainframes still are used today. 
Mainframes are still built new. I'm gonna take a break here because th 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 that statement, we have IBM mainframes at work, it was just so pointless that it's. We'll be right back. We'll, we'll be right back. We're gonna talk about modern compute and also Apple's new M3 processors. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Intel has launched new drivers for their Arc GPUs. And these drivers actually are showing some decent improvements. Up to 750% in one very specific DirectX 11 game and up to 53% in one very specific D DX 12, 12 title. You know, that's a decent increase, 750%, but only in Halo Infinite. And, uh, you know, 50% improvement in... What's the DX 12 title again? Does it actually even tell us? I actually don't think it tells us. But in any case, it's good. It's good to see a new driver. It's good to actually just see Intel just committing to actually improving ARC. Way too many of us just fully expected Intel to go full on Google in regards to ARC. A lot of us still don't think there's going to be a second generation of the Intel Arc GPU. Seeing them actually going ahead and continuing to put out driver updates after driver updates after driver updates to actually improve these cards that when they launched were um, uh, disappointing, to say the least. This is a good sign. It really, really is. So huzzah, huzzah for that. I actually would be very curious to see someone re-reviewing the Intel Arc cards now with these new updated drivers. Meanwhile, AMD has done a little bit of tweaking on their entry-level APUs for the mobile space. Instead of using Zen 4 cores, they're using Zen 4C cores in some of their new entry-level APUs. Saying that no human being would ever notice the difference in them swapping out and specifically using very high-efficiency cores rather than, you know the true Zen 4 cores they're used to seeing. They're not in the hands of reviewers yet. But if there's one thing I know about the PC industry and reviewers, 
if if you are dumb enough to say that no human being would ever notice the difference as a manufacturer some lunatic out there in the review space is going to find a way that they can know the difference i guarantee it someone in chat asked what a benchmark tell the difference <laughs> we're gonna find out now won't we Now, I don't know about most of you, but for the most part, I don't usually pay attention to ben to laptop benchmarks, mostly because not everyone goes ahead and does laptop benchmarks. Especially since, you know, the biggest differentiator between laptops is going to be the thermal solution. If I go ahead and throw a Core i9 laptop or a Core i9 processor into a laptop this thick. You can't, if you can't see it, I'm, I'm holding up, you know, fingers about a centimeter apart or a quarter of an inch. I don't know. I'm estimating it. Or if I throw that same processor in a laptop three times as thick, guess which one's going to perform better? it's going to be the thick chonker laptop just based on the thermal solution. But I guarantee you. AMD, you have now gone ahead and said that no one will notice the difference. You have turned a chip that people would have ignored and now made it so that the most insane are going to 100% pay attention to it. I guarantee you that like a company like, or a reviewer like Gamers Nexus, for instance, was going to ignore this, just be like, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's new laptops, you know, performance looks pretty good from everyone else, we don't see a reason to do it. Now that you've gone ahead and said that no human being will ever notice the difference, I guarantee you, Steve from Gamers Nexus is going to go challenge accepted and then find the difference 100% guaranteed. Meanwhile, in other laptop news, the RTX 40 series laptop GPUs have now been tested. And here's what we've learned. They're pretty good. And they're really expensive. So here's what you can expect. Again, the whole thermal envelope of the laptop is going to play a big role in this. Alright? Don't Forget that. But on average, you can expect a mobile version of a GPU perform roughly the same as the desktop version of one tier lower. See, back in the day, we used to have markers for this and consider them different GPUs. All right. We used to consider 
a GTX 580M different from a GTX 580? NVIDIA, in their attempt to make you think that you're smoking unicorn magic, has pretty much since the 900 series just dropped the mobile modifier and just tried to make you think that a 4090 inside a laptop is going to be the same as one at a desktop. When in actuality, no, it's not. It's going to be roughly on par with one tier lower, which honestly is still really impressive. But I'll just tell you this right now. If you're one of those people that thinks that you're better off just gaming, getting a gaming laptop over a gaming desktop, you are going to pay roughly 50% more for less performance. I'll just tell you that right now. There is only one reason to get a gaming laptop. Actually, there's two. The two reasons are you are living in a space that is extremely space restrictive, like, say, a really tiny studio apartment or a dorm room. Or you live on the road pretty much exclusively and need this kind of performance wherever you travel. Those are pretty much the two use cases. And I'll tell you this in addition to that. If you don't need the latest and greatest in GPU and CPU performance, no joke, give the used market, specifically the used business market, a serious look. There are much better deals to be had. If you actually absolutely need that sort of thing. If you are one that is stationary, but still needs some kind of high performance computing, you may want to look at trying to build a small form factor system or just look into getting one yourself. Someone in chat brings up the point of the, uh, the good old full towers disguised as a mid tower or, or, a, or I'm sorry, a mid tower disguised as a full tower sort of thing. I cannot, uh, the number of times, all right, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I can't remember why I was at Best Buy recently. I think I was just getting a flash drive that I needed for a repair job or I was picking up a keyboard. I can't remember which. 
first off, I find it hilarious to find uh, system builders like iBuyPower and uh, CyberPower at, um, at Best Buy. Like, that in itself is already hilarious to me. But what I find funnier is the fact that they're full-size towers, meaning that, you know, they're big gaming towers. But then they still had a mid-ATX motherboard inside it, which are the cheapest motherboards you can get. And man, if you looked on the back, you saw seven PCI Express slots in the case. And only four, technically three of them, had any kind of slot that they could use. Also, real talk, why, why don't... Uh, MATX boards just put the GPU slot at the very bottom of the board. Seriously. Anyway. A lot of these high-end gaming laptops, I do truly not recommend using. The performance per dollar equation, especially with the RTX 40 series GPUs, is just, it's not there. At all. A hundred percent. Okay, someone brings up the point in chat that um, the distance of the PCI Express slot to the CPU does actually matter for that. That's fair. That's one of the reasons why we don't have uh, SLI anymore. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba -da. Actually, the main reason is that no one wants to support it. But in any case, that is the state. The st that is the state of mobile performance right now. It is incredibly, incredibly expensive. And you know what? I'm surprised someone hasn't said because someone always says this in my chat whenever I talk about. Uh, what to do for high-performance computing. There's one phrase that keeps coming up again and again and again, and it's all in jest, admittedly. It's get a Mac. Just get a Mac. And heck, if you drink too much of the Kool-Aid, you would believe that the RTX 4090 is very easily outperformed by the Apple Silicon M2 Pro if you chugged way too much of that Kool-Aid. Someone in chat said, I thought you were going to ask if those laptops had headphone jack. Yeah, okay. Well, Apple went ahead and showed off on Halloween their brand new Apple M3 Silicon. This is going to replace the Apple M2 chips. 
All right. So these are going to be massive powerhouses, right? Well, they did mention that these new chips are going to be 30% up to 50% faster than the M1 chip. I mean, my God, the performance is just there. And you just compare those cores up to 30% faster than the M1 and 15% faster than the M2. Throughout the entire presentation, they tooted their horn heavily, and I do mean heavily, on the grounds of what the highest end of this chip could do and comparing it to the M1 chip, not the M2, the M1, and worst offender of all, the Intel Max. Here's the thing with comparing it to the Intel Max, okay? The Intel Max have two problems now. One, the Intel Max were outdated when they launched. They were using older Intel chips. In addition, Apple sabotaged those Macs in general by just refusing to cool them properly. For crying out loud, they removed active cooling from the Intel MacBook Airs. And lo and behold, shocker to anyone with a functional brain, they overheated. No way. What's even better is that the actual passive cooling they included was far away from the vents. They didn't even passively cool them like intelligently at all. They just slapped a black heat sink on it and just assumed that it was a two watt part. When, you know, they used a seven watt part. So yeah. They were terrible products when they launched because Apple wanted them to be terrible products to justify their move to their own silicon. And then on top of that, they were already outdated Intel chips because Apple just didn't want to put in current stuff in them for whatever reason. The reason now clearly being they just wanted to sandbag Intel. They just wanted to make sure that if you were dumb enough to go ahead and support them during the tail end of the Intel era, that you look like even more of a sucker by comparison. Welcome to the world of Apple, where your company actively gaslights you. But hey, you know what the Intel Macs did have going for them? They were affordable at the time. But anyway, the new M3 chips, they're faster. They have up to 128 gigabytes of RAM in that unified memory architecture, meaning that the RAM is directly on the chip. And... The access speeds is just crazy fast because it's right next to the chip. Onboard engines for AI encoding and video, in addition to supporting ray tracing now. 
we'll have to see about that, as well as mesh shaders on the GPU. And of course, the M3 is 60% faster now. That's important. They're 60% faster. You can't see the graph if you're on the audio-only version of this podcast, but... This graph that Apple has for the M3 family neural engine performance is very telling, all right? The bars show the M3 family bar completely full and colored. The M2 family bar is gray and roughly, I would say, 90% full. No, eh, we'll say 85 to 80% full. And then the M1 family bar is about 70% full. But they go ahead and say that the M2 family is 15%, that the M3 family is 15% faster, and it's 6% faster than the M1 family, when the bars don't show anything even close to that this is how apple operates on these keynotes they've gone back to some of their very bad habits that they've had since the power pc era you stop seeing this as much in the intel era but they just continued again and again and again to just show examples that just show you know our chip our silicon is just so superior and of course this time around they didn't even bother comparing it to any sort of pc or any sign of other competition in the person in the professional space because we're not even in the same league as they're not even they're not even close to catching up with us Well, these new chips are available in two new products, the iMac and the MacBook Pro. Let's start with the iMac, because this one honestly is way funnier, okay? The new iMac, first off, never got the M2 chip. It has been sitting in its colorful chintastic body with white bezels with the first generation M1 chips for the longest time. Now, you can get the iMac with the M3 chip, but only the M3. There's no option for the M3 Pro or M3 Max. So if you wanna go ahead and get a desktop with that kind of processor in it for your workspace, you are SOL. But here's what's really, really dumb. All starting configs start with eight gigabytes of RAM. I had to tell a family member as I was going through their laptop 
to try and get it back up to working spec that you basically have e-waste here because it only has 8 gigs of RAM. Even if I reformat this thing, because of the software you need to run nowadays, it's going to struggle and chug. And right now this laptop is non-functional because it's going instantly into swap. Meaning that it's run out of RAM and is taxing the internal storage, the solid state drive at max to use that as RAM. Oh, that's, that's fine. That's fine, Eagle. It's, it's a Mac. Macs are more efficient with memory, right? No. Nope. They're about the same as PCs right now. You still need more than 8 gigs of RAM. 8 gigs of RAM is going to be able to function for basically a YouTube machine in the Mac world right now. Oh, that's fine. I'll just add more RAM. You literally, not figuratively, literally cannot add more RAM to any Mac, period. It is impossible to upgrade any Mac. And here's the best part, all right? For what is basically e-waste with an entry-level M3 chip with a 256 gig SSD and eight gigabytes of RAM, but hey, you got a, you got a 24 inch display that's a four and a half K Resolution for some reason. Seriously, four and a half K. Remember how earlier how I was saying that you absolutely don't want to watch 1080p on a 4K screen? Do you want to watch 4K on a non 4K screen? That's infuriating. Not gonna lie. It's not just that. Your IO is literally just two USB-C ports. That's it. The other versions have two USB-3 ports and gigabit ethernet on the power brick. But this base down, this stripped down model starts at $1,300. It is $1,300 for e-waste. If you are dumb enough to go ahead and say, how would I make this usable and bring it up to 16 gigabytes of memory? It is now $1,500. Okay, well, what if I want to bring it up to a terabyte of storage? $1,900. Oh, I want to have decent internet. Another $30 to get gigabit ethernet. Gigabit, by the way. 
Do you know how old gigabit ethernet is? My computers right here have two and a half gig on them. And I bought these rigs used. Yikes. Oh, by the way, keyboard and mouse on this guy, it's still using lightning. And yes, the charging port for the mouse is still, in fact, on the underside of the mouse. If when you need to charge this wireless mouse, the mouse is unusable and has to sit upside down like a turtle that got knocked over and charge that way because Apple can't design a mouse to save their life for some reason. And keep in mind, this is for the base model iMac. This isn't even including one that actually has an upgraded GPU. Because you can get this version of the iMac with a 10-core GPU, which compares to exactly nothing because actual GPUs that we get from, say, NVIDIA and AMD measure their cores in the thousands. So a 10-core GPU compares to exactly nothing. We have nothing to compare it to at all. What is this performance compared to? I don't know. Will you be able to game on it? I don't know. Oh. But we're not done yet. This is just the affront they did to the IMAX. Or the IMAX, all right? Where your cost of entry is, you know, $1,500 for a computer that has a prayer of still being relevant in two years. The other unit was the MacBook Pro. I will give Apple a little bit of credit though. The MacBook Pro finally, finally got rid of the 13-inch model. For the longest time, there was a 13-inch model of the MacBook Pro that used an Intel design chassis with a touch bar on it with no I.O. and was basically just a worse MacBook Air. That is finally dead. Now, all the MacBook Pros actually have some real I.O., So everything is good, right? Well, there's two models of the MacBook Pro. There's a 14-inch and a 16-inch version. All of them have a notch in the screen, by the way. So get ready to notice that and then never unsee it ever again. You get the option of either space gray or the correct color, which is silver for a MacBook Pro. I'm sorry, but if you're getting a MacBook Pro, it has to be silver. It has to be. If you're picking... Uh, space Gray, it is an affront to God and all things that are MacBook Pro. But then again, getting a MacBook Pro is a or terrible decision in the first place. The MacBook Pro now starts at $1,600. It started before at $1,200. The cost has now gone up by 
but at least it's a real version. Here's the problem though. It starts with that same eight gigabytes of RAM. So for $1,600, you have a MacBook Pro that cannot do anything professional at all, period. Winner, you win, you win compute. In order to make it even start to be usable, you have to upgrade the RAM to 16 gigabytes. That brings you up to $1,800. $1, then let's pretend you can, that you can't get, you can't use the starting 512 gigabytes of SSD storage. You need to go up to a terabyte. Funny enough, the sucker only comes with a 70 watt USB-C adapter. You need to go ahead and then upgrade it to the 96 watt USB-C adapter if you don't like the charging speed of your laptop. It can get away with a 70 watt adapter, by the way. That's not an issue. But here's the thing I find interesting. They don't show the IO on this. The IO is actually relatively decent. We have an SD card slot. We have an HDMI port. We have two USB-C ports and a headphone jack. I can't believe it. Apple does know that audio exists. It also has a MagSafe charger. So why is the included charger USB-C? So in order to get the magnetic charger that the MacBook Pro has made famous, you have to buy that separately and then have a 70 watt USB-C power charger that is e-way. Remember how Apple said that they were not gonna include charging bricks with the iPhone anymore to cut down e-waste. Why are you including the, why are you including the, the charger that nobody wants with your MacBook Pro? If that's really what you, I just, Apple sometimes. But keep in mind, this is just for the baseline M3 chip. If you want the higher end one, Oh no. If you want to go M3 Pro, well, that starts at $2,000. That now includes an 11 core CPU and a 14 core GPU and starts at 18 gigabytes of memory, but still only has 512 gigabytes of internal storage. If you want the M3 Max system on a chip, that includes a 14 core CPU and a 30 core GPU. And that starts at 36 gigabytes of, of memory, which is good. And one terabyte of storage that starts at So one thing I do pretty frequently, all right? It's very easy to say, well, big deal. I can get a cheaper, I can get a cheaper PC than that. that this is stupid. Why would anyone pay $3,200? That's the 14 inch version. If you want to go 16 inch, if you want the big laptop, so you actually have a big screen to do your work on, that starts at $3,500. 
By the way, all the charger chargers are still USB-C power adapters. Incredible. All right. So let's compare the MacBook Pro to another professional laptop. Let's compare it to do 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 do. Compare it to the Dell Precision. Also, a 16-inch laptop. So let's compare the 14-core CPU to what we have here. We're going to compare it to this... Dell Precision 5680, a 16-inch laptop, metal chassis, just like the MacBook Pro here. It is rocking a 14-core processor that is at 20 threads, 45-watt CPU. That's going to be a higher power consumption than the Apple one. That's what we have to live with. Up to 5.2 gigahertz. It's going to be rocking a RTX 2000 ADA GPU, that's the equivalent of an RTX 4600 GPU. We don't know how to compare that to the M3 GPU because we don't have benchmarks yet. But we have 32 gigabytes of RAM. We're comparing that to our 36. Uh, where's my option to double that? God dang it, where's my... This is actually infuriating. I actually can't beat the, um, the 36 gigabytes of RAM without going up, without going all the way up to 64 gigabytes of RAM. And then there's only one... What happened to the ability to customize what you get from Dell? This is infuriating. But yeah, now I'm not even in the same ballpark because now it's a freaking 64 gigabytes of RAM. I'm now a much higher end GPU at a 3500 at a GPU, a CPU that now drastically outcores out the um, the M3 Max. Oh no, it also is 14 cores, 20 threads. It's just higher clock speed and higher power consumption. <laughs> All right, this is getting us nowhere. Okay, I didn't prep, prep well enough to go ahead and go head to head with, with the MacBook Pro. 
but I can get really close. All right, so this MacBook Pro costs 3,500, right? My Dell system here that gets close to what the MacBook Pro can. is $2,779. Oh, wait, I'm missing out on the storage too. I missed that. Dang it, Dell. All right, th th all right, this is a massive waste of everyone's time. I, I apologize for this. My attempt at a point is very simple. Even if you compare apples to apples, a professional laptop with another professional laptop, The MacBook Pro is pricing itself out of its league. The iMac especially is pricing itself out of its league. And quite frankly, these starting prices and these starting specs are offensive. And for a company to go ahead and try to say that their whole thing is to be environmentally friendly to the point where the last Apple keynote they had before this last one included a very, very cringy montage and skit with Mother Earth and a checklist of how they're trying to save the planet. They're not doing a very good job by trying to sell people literal e-waste. This is not the markings of a good design choice by Apple. It actually looks pretty terrible. But we'll have to see what the actual performance is because what we're seeing out of Apple here is secrecy and just trying to obfuscate, trying to just, what's the right word, obfuscate? I feel like I'm missing a letter in there. They're trying to go ahead and keep us from having all the information. They're trying to keep their cards very close to the chest and trying to sell something that these chips aren't. The M1, just like the M2, just like the M3, or reverse that order, it doesn't matter. These are not insane, high-powered, Compute monsters. There is in fact certain tasks they just simply can't do. And it's going to take time for these chips to mature. But all we're getting out of Apple is them constantly trying to say the future is now, old man, as their newfangled car can't seem to go up a hill. But my God, 
when it's on the right turf going down going down the straightaway does it look really impressive in that one scenario Meanwhile, though, in other chip news, there is a report out that NVIDIA is going to be working with Nintendo again, again, on a new mobile SOC in the Tegra family that is going to be very heavy on its machine learning and its ray tracing capabilities. And it's all going to be for the Switch 2. And thus, we begin a new drinking game. Taking a shot of water every single time a new report about how the Switch 2 is real and is totally coming soon for realsies. While we just continue to watch all the hype to build up just to be let down yet again. It's just like the Switch Pro. It's going to be just like the Switch Pro, I swear. I don't know what is with the tech media and just anything involving a Switch upgrade and just hyping it up to no end. But I'll, I'll just tell you this right now, all right? There most likely will be a Switch 2. Because the Switch 1 did so well, why not make a sequel for your next gen? It will probably include another NVIDIA Tegra processor. Because the NVIDIA Tegra worked really well for the Switch. And because it would be on a very similar sort of architecture. I mean, architecture is the wrong word. So it's going to be on a, on a new architecture, whatever, uh, probably whatever is after at a Lovelace. But it's just going to be, you know, a decent step up. It's going to focus primarily on 1080p gaming on mobile. And it'll probably support 4K in the dock. Probably using AI upscaling so that the chip's not working as hard. But, you know, it's going to be behind the times. Because by the time this comes out in about two years, maybe at the end of 2024, probably in the middle of 2025, the industry is going to be moving on from 4K gaming and all that. Nintendo doesn't focus on high-end technology. You know what Nintendo focuses on? They focus on... keeping the cost down... making sure it's accessible and making sure the system is locked down as much as possible. Nintendo is not going to care about 1440p gaming or 
8K gaming. I'm willing to bet there's not going to be native 4K resolution on the Switch 2. Or whatever it's called. Might even just be called the new Switch. Maybe it'll be something stupid catchy like Switch It Up. Who knows? But if you're going to go in and expect mesh shaders, real-time ray tracing, and, you know, whatever the new hotness is, or, a or generative AI, this, that, or the other thing, that's not Nintendo. It's never been Nintendo. I take that back. It has only been Nintendo once. There is only one time when, nin when Nintendo really, really, really cared about pushing the boundaries of graphical fidelity. One time and one time only. And they made it their major marketing push. Can any of you name what that one time is? Anyone? When they wanted to be at the head of the graphical push? only one time it was the Nintendo 64 where the biggest selling point of it was 64-bit graphics that's it Every other time, gimmicks or compatibility or accessibility came before the actual graphics. So before you start taking a shot every single time you hear ray traced capable switch, or, oh my god, realistic lighting, or, oh my god, it's going to support 8K. Dude, this sucker is going to support so many pixels. Native 8K resolution, up to 320 frames per second. Oh my god, this thing's going to be a gaming monster. That's not Nintendo. That's never been Nintendo. So, just keep that in mind as you start seeing these rumors come out like nobody's business. Let's shift gears drastically from the gaming space to the automotive space. Because we have some news in the large vehicles a company by the name of green power is launching a brand new large vehicle that has nearly 300 miles of range and yes is fully electric what is this a new semi-truck 
Anu. What, what could it be? You don't understand, though. 300 miles of range. That doesn't sound like a big a deal when you look at Tesla, who bluffs about having a 500-mile range car, but already has a tested 300-mile range car. That doesn't seem that big a deal. The thing is with electric vehicles, the bigger and heavier it is, the more power it takes them to move, which then means a bigger battery you need, and these diminishing returns pile up very, very, very quickly. So when I tell you that there's a school bus with a 300 mile range, this honestly actually is really impressive. What's funnier to me though, is that this school bus first off, isn't made by any of the major bus companies, which already is kind of surprising. Basically here in the United States, there, there are basically only three companies that make school buses. Thomas, Bluebird, and International. Bluebird is their own thing. Thomas is owned by Daimler, which is the company responsible for Freightliner. And International is owned by International, which also produces International. If that last one seemed really redundant, don't worry. It's just as stupid on paper as it is in real life. Whereas Mega, whereas Green Power and its new quote-unquote Mega Beast is a lot like a Rivian in the world of school buses. So the fact that this long, flat-nosed school bus can go ahead and get 300 miles range, that's very impressive. But here's the question I have to ask. Does the school bus have seatbelts? I'm serious. I actually do want to know. Are, are we going to finally start including seatbelts on, on, on our school buses? This has been one of the things that has, like, blown me away on school buses, all right? On any other vehicle, you are required to wear a seatbelt. But for some reason, on school buses, a thing you pack with kids, no seatbelts. Allegedly on a school bus, somehow, because of weight distributions and how seats are mounted, etc., supposedly, and I do stress supposedly, because my skeptical brain doubts it, they are safer without seatbelts than with it. I want to know, with a heavier bus with a lower center of gravity, does that still apply? If this thing rolls over and these 387 kilowatts of batteries ignites on fire. Are they safer? I just, I just, I, I, I'm just, I'm just curious. I just want to hear this. But meanwhile, while uh, the mega beast 
could potentially come out soon. Someone in chat wants to know how you charge it. I would assume a DC fast charger. I would assume it just uses um the pretty standard connector before. Someone on chat says, I've never died in a school bus, therefore it's safe. Ah, yes, because I've never, because, no one's ever died and then told me in person that they, <laughs> that's stupid. That's dumb. Anyway, while Green Power is working on their bus and bringing that to market, Tesla is working on their large vehicle. Not the semi-truck this time. No, 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 no. The other one that we're wondering where the heck it is. The Cybertruck. And, well, there is some news about the Cybertruck. You see, the Cybertruck recently had an event where it tried to go ahead and showed that it was capable of off-roading. And they did this by showing a video that uh, broadcasted in roughly seven by three aspect ratio. Not, or not aspect ratio, uh, it, was, it was a 7P video. It was a very, very low quality uh, video that was broadcasted straight from the Cybertruck using Starlink, which has me lose faith in both Tesla and Starlink all at the same time. Good job. But they insisted that it's re that's ready of, of off-road capability. Meanwhile, people actually watched the whole thing and watched the Cybertruck struggle to go up a hill. This can do everything pickup truck with no headlights, but an LED, but has an LED uh, light bar on the front and has no crumple zones, by the way, and thus would not be street legal here in the States. All these other things from this thing and having all the torque from what is it three electric motors and the thing struggles with a dirt hill don't hold your breath is all i'm gonna say if, if, if you're hoping that tesla is gonna go ahead and just be the answer to all things electric. Uh, th they're making a good case that maybe some things shouldn't be electric. And that's not great for the movement that wants more and more electric vehicles out on the roads. Someone in chat says the Cybertruck just wants to be human. We all struggle with dirt hills. Oh, that's it. 
Yeah, you got you got me there. We we just need to put some hiking boots on the cyber truck. Honestly, that actually could be part of the problem. The fact that they might have just used like road tires. Oh god, if they used road tires at full inflation. Oh my god, that's probably it. No. The truck's not terrible. They're just stupid. You know what? Actually, that seems about on par for Tesla. All right, let's look at something cool instead. Let's look at headphones. You go, why are we looking at headphones? We've already seen headphones. Have you ever seen headphones that have been 3D printed? Now, of course, the headphones weren't 100% 3D printed. You did need to go ahead and get a, a speaker driver and actually go ahead and fit those fit those speakers into the headphones but my god you can print your own headphones wait a minute god dang it this article is from february i thought i weeded out all the february stories I swear one freaking news curator site just like reposted all their stuff from like February of this year. And it got me late last night. In other news though, there is actually a legitimate growing concern that DLSRs are going to be vanishing from Europe. As most current DSLRs don't use USB-C. In fact, a lot of them use a proprietary charger or use micro USB to charge. The USB port on a lot of these is used solely for moving pictures off the device or updating firmware. Here's the kicker to all this for users of DSLRs. They're updated nowhere near as often as say your cell phone. Like, I'm holding an S23 in my hand right now. In two months, in two and a half months, there's going to be an S24. They update this every year. There's going to be a new version. And if they needed to go ahead and say, hey, this micro USB is not, or this micro USB on this phone is not good enough. We need to swap it out. to swap it out for USB-C or whatever. They can do that. It's very easy. Next, next, next iteration done. Change is done. DSLRs get an update like maybe every five years. Someone in chat asked, does DSLRs get firmware? Theoretically, yes. But I speak only theoretically. 
I promise nothing after that. Or if you just want the, uh, the, the me-style answer, no, firmware is a myth. So this is actually kind of a problem for DSLRs. The, you, you might see professional cameras start making a reemergence in the, in the EU in, um, in three years, hopefully. We'll see if a carve-out is made, but considering the speed of the EU, I kind of doubt it. But... I give you a solution to a problem that a number of people have. I want to move attention to another portable device. On the Steam Deck, your storage is fairly limited, but you can upgrade it. All right. You normally start with like, I think the baseline is like 256 gigs or something low. Like that. I think it's actually 64 gigs what it starts at, but then you can upgrade to 256, 512, even up to a terabyte. What if you wanted more? What if you wanted more than that? It is just an NVMe slot, so you can upgrade it to, you know, a full U.2 and go from there, right? What if you could get more than one terabyte of storage? What if you could put every MacBook Pro to shame by upgrading your Steam Deck to... 61 terabytes. By outfitting your Steam Deck with an enterprise-grade storage server U.2 flash drive. And when I say flash drive, I mean a hard drive-sized box that contains nothing but flash. Admit it. Your laptop or desktop at home doesn't have 61 terabytes in it. I guarantee it. Guess what? Mine doesn't either. My storage server doesn't have 61 terabytes on it. This is insane. And here's the worst part, all right? That Steam Deck costs like what let's even let's even say generous and let's say it's the highest end one let's say it's an 800 dollars steam deck all right i think that's like the highest end steam deck you can get with like the carry case and the special screen and all that jazz that's like the highest end upgraded steam deck that drive costs How much does that drive cost, actually? How much is a 61 terabyte SSD going for? Oh, there it is from Micron. 61 terabyte SSD from Micron. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that includes an entire server. We can't use that one. 
I don't even know if I can actually... I don't know if I can find a place to actually buy just the SSD. Oh, man. But no, this SSD is going to be like something along the lines of like thousands for just the drive. Probably as high as $6,000. The server combo was like 10K. Like, th this is, this is dumb. This is absolute, this is so, so freaking dumb. And it's not even the weirdest story of the week. The weirdest story is actually something much more obtainable. The weirdest story of the week actually comes to us from the gaming world. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the last bird, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. I introduce you to the depression pack of Sims 4. Where you can introduce your Sims to the glory of renting. Included in this pack as well is such wonderful things such as fungus zombies as well from being exposed to too much mold because you went ahead and subjected your sims to being to renting out a budget apartment owned by a slumlord. Here's why I have to ask, and this is this is the question that really went ahead and pushed this to the front of the list for weirdest stories of the week. Who asked for this? Who woke up in the morning and thought, you know, what if my sim could rent? What if my sim could be as depressed as me. All right, well, thank you, EA. Thank you for gifting us the ability to have Sims pay boatloads of money, own nothing, and die of mold. Truly, this was the gift to all gaming kind that we truly, truly needed. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out my other content, youtube.com slash eaglefalcon and twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.
I gotta give it to EA though. They did go ahead and after doing so much work to make sure that we don't actually own the games that we pay for, they wanted to make sure that The Sims also had that wonderful feeling of you will own nothing and like it. But at least the entire um, for rent expansion pack does include the ability for you to become a slumlord. So at least you can enjoy the fantasy of actually owning property and then killing your tenants with mold and somehow getting away with it. This really is the depression package. Man, I thought I made that a joke, but man, it's feeling more and more real the more and more I think about it. 